Well, good morning. We are into uh, week two of our series, uh, Flawed Yet Faithful. Someone asked me the other day, Pastor Al, is the series called Flogged Yet Faithful? And I would say no, it's not flogged yet faithful. It's not even filleted yet faithful. It's flawed yet faithful. So imperfect yet faithful. Well, happy Father's Day to, uh, to all of our dads today. We are so glad that you're with us today. And as I think about Father's Day, obviously, uh, brings memories of my dad who uh, passed away uh, almost about five years ago now. And when I think about those memories, some of the words that come to mind would be hard work. I think of uh, the times when we would have to shovel gravel out of the uh, back of a, a trailer as my dad was a contractor. I think of uh, the word fun comes to mind. We had uh, great times in the pool and, and barbecuing. And um, some of the other words maybe are struggle. Uh, I know there were times that uh, relationships were were tense and sometimes there was struggle that we had to work through in relationships. Another word was laughter. I can remember times, uh, you know, where my gut was sore and I just couldn't stop laughing and we had such great memories together. And obviously the words flaws yet faithful come into mind when we think about, when I think about that because, you know, none of us are perfect and so my father was not perfect and yet uh, he was faithful to his family, faithful to God. I don't have a lot of memories of my grandfather either, my dad's dad. I, I can remember the, uh, one of the things I do remember is, um, you know, picking potatoes with him. I can almost uh, picture his hands there uh, helping me uh, pick potatoes or I was helping him pick potatoes out of the ground. And, uh, but I know my dad would have had many, many memories and stories of his dad that he, he did tell us over the years. Uh, each generation has these memories, and many of them have our memories of flaws and faithfulness. Sometimes more flaws than faithfulness, and sometimes more faithfulness than flaws. As believers, we, uh, we live in this tension of flawed and faithful. Flawed and faithful. And as Pastor Kristen mentioned last week, uh, and did such a good job as she spoke about Abel, uh, this is the reality for us that we go through that. And it brings to mind our passage to ponder today, which is uh, from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 and 40. And let me read it for you. It says, all of these people, uh, and we're, and we're going to learn about these people as we're going through these ser this series, earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. So even in their faithfulness to God, they never experienced all that God had promised for them. For God, a Hebrew writer says, has had something better in mind for us so that we, they would not reach perfection without us. And, and we'll unpack that a little bit more, what that us means uh, for us as we kind of track through this and talk about uh, some of the heroes of faith through this series. But the reality for us is that our reality is flawed. Uh, when I read the passage from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, it goes like this, and, and it reminds us of this idea that our reality is flaws. Listen to this. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. Speaking of Jesus and those who follow him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. And if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. That verse and, or those verses, uh, there's a few things in there that really remind us the reality that our reality is flawed. First is there's death. Uh, there's death all around us. There's, there's murder. There is sickness and people who are passing away daily. 
there's hardship as we go through things in our life. Maybe uh, people that we know or yourself going through unemployment and, and some of the stresses of work or some of the stresses of just this season of transitioning as we seem to be coming out of this COVID season and still trying to figure out what the future is going to look like. There's denial, and that relates to fractured relationships and, and uh, even fractured relationship with God. And then there is unfaithfulness. We see it in, in marriage and those who make vows or commitments to things and then not following through on those things. Our reality is flawed. But the question that kind of comes out of this and we're going to unpack today is how do we live in a flawed reality and yet stay faithful? And most importantly, how do we, as we go through life, you know, and finish life at some point, join those heroes of the faith that we're going to talk about in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and really, it's those that we'll read about later in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, as uh, Pastor Kristen referred to last week, who are really that great cloud of witnesses. Well, to help us answer that question, we're going to take a look today at Enoch. And we're going to focus in on his life, and, and we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. And unfortunately, we only get one verse here on Enoch, so let me read it for you. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken, he was known as a person who pleased God. And you might say, Al... That's not much for us to go on today. And you'd be, and I would say you're absolutely right. And so we're going to drill down a little bit deeper into Enoch's life through some of the other verses we're going to reference. And we're going to unpack this a little bit and talk about a number of things about Enoch's life. And one of the first things we're going to talk about is Enoch's reality. And Enoch's reality is that he lived in a flawed world. We find uh, uh, more information on Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, verse uh, 1 to 31. And it's uh, this genealogy that Moses uh, puts together from the life of Adam to Lamech, who was the father of Noah, who we'll learn more about next week as Pastor Gary talks about uh, Noah's life. And it's interesting because as you read through chapter 5, and I won't do that, but you can do it on your own. Verse 5, verse 8, verse 11, verse 14, verse 17, 20, 27, and 31 all kind of talk about these, these, uh, the, these people from Adam to Lamech. And listen to this, six out of the eight of those people lived over 900 years, and then it says, and then he died. Now before we dig a little deeper into that, imagine that, 900 years plus years people living. Yes, uh, uh, there was something that was causing people to not age as quickly and, and to live longer. Maybe it was in the water that they were drinking at the time, whatever it was, but they lived these long lives, 900 plus years. And yet still, as Moses writes this uh, and, and puts this together, there's still this emphasis that this was a world of death, that every generation died. And as we learned last week, uh, Cain murdered Abel. This was a, a generation and generations of hardship. As you read in chapter 5, and you'll, you'll hear, of, you would read about Lamech, who when he gives birth, or sorry, his wife gives birth, uh, to Noah, he, he, the name Noah really means uh, to have relief, or may he gain, give us some relief. And Lamech, when he names him, says this, may we gain some relief from our work and painful labor. This is a difficult time. And as well, it was a, a, a world, a flawed world, where people were wandering apart from God. Cain, after he murders Abel, is really banished and, and be, spends the rest of his time, in, as you read in Genesis chapter 4, wandering. 
And yet in the midst of this flawed world of death and hardship and wandering apart from God, there were still these memories of a time when, when people once walked with God. See, during uh, Enoch's life, till he was 265, Adam was actually still alive. And so you can only imagine some of the uh, stories that Adam would tell through the, have told his generations who were there at, alive at the time of how he had once walked with God. At the same time, this was a world, this flawed world was, was a world headed to such separation from God that it's only three generations later in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6 that we read this. It says, The Lord observed the extent of, of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. And it broke his heart. Pastor Gary's going to do a great job next week unpacking that a little bit more as he talks about Noah's story. But can you imagine? This was a flawed world, not completely unlike our world in some ways, because it was a world of death, hardship, cover-ups, corruption, and unfaithfulness. And what does Enoch do? Well, Enoch resolves to make a move to faith. It was in this flawed world that Enoch uh, made a dedicated decision, because that's what his name means, dedicated. He chose to become a person who pleased God by reputation. See, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2 says, Through faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. He became known as a man who pleased God. Well, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 5 and, and get a little bit more information on this in verse 21 to 24. And, and watch this as we read through it. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. Now, we'll stop there for just a moment. If you read through chapter 5, for each of the people from Aunt uh, Adam to, to Lamech, there's this pattern that comes where they, uh, the writer, or Moses, says they lived this many years, and then after the birth of their firstborn, they lived another so many years and had sons and daughters, and then they lived another so many years and then they died. But in Enoch's case, the writer here introduces something significant. He says, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And then he had sons and daughters. And then it says again, Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. And then instead of it saying he died, it says one day he disappeared because God took him. See, Enoch's story took a change. Some suggest that uh, as they take a look at this, that uh, it was when Methuselah was born that Enoch uh, changed his ways and he made this decision to to please God, to turn towards God. Whatever it was, something captivated Enoch and moved him to faith that he de decided to experience what he heard. He decided uh, maybe, maybe he was uh, discontent or dissatisfied with life as it was and, and the pattern in that flawed world that he was going through. Uh, maybe it was the miracle of new life, of even the birth of Methuselah. Or maybe God spoke to him, but whatever it was, at whatever point in Enoch's imperfect life, Enoch resolved to walk with God. As you read through the rest of the Bible, uh, and, and those of you who take the time to do that and really dig into it a little bit more, and I encourage you to do that, you'll, 
there actually is this pattern that you'll see as you read through it of people who uh, chose to walk with God, it says. Noah, as you'll hear about next week, walked with God. And it really is this representation of being in a, a close fellowship or a close relationship with God. Enoch resolved that he was going to follow God, that he was going to walk with God. Uh, there's a reference also in Jude chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 that uh, Jude writes there, and, and it's a quote from uh, one Enoch, uh, a book of some oral tradition about Enoch. And so Enoch in that is a spokesperson about God who speaks to uh, future generations and regarding the justice of God. But Enoch, he resolved that he was going to walk with God, that he was going to speak for God as God gave him what to say. In the reality of his flawed world, he chose to move toward God. I like what Augustine writes. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him, the greatest adventure. To find him, the greatest human achievement. As well, Enoch had reward. What was his reward as we take a look at his life? It was fellowship with God. Again, going back to Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6, let me read it for you again. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible, listen to this, to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that, that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. For, that, for the people in the time of Enoch, when, when Enoch suddenly disappeared, some of them who believed that he suddenly disappeared and, and bite into that, they may have, have told tales of Enoch being, uh, being like a god or a god with a small g because he suddenly disappeared. Other people, if they believed that he suddenly died at at 365 years of age, that maybe they considered him to actually be cursed because he had a shortened life compared to everyone else who was living 900 plus years, regardless of what they thought. Enoch was neither of those because he resolved in his faith to walk with God. Because he made that decision, he graduated to eternity with God. I like what uh, Kenneth Matthew says, whereas Adam is precluded from the garden or removed from the garden and, and Cain is driven from the presence of God, Enoch experiences that privilege of walking with God and escapes the sentence of his predecessors or the others in the genealogy. He escapes death. See, Enoch believed in the existence of God as we read in Hebrews 11 verse 6 and that he rewards those who seek him and suddenly, a new story of hope appeared. That God hadn't banished humanity to, to live all of these years of wandering apart from Him in death and, and struggle and suffering, but that they had the opportunity to walk with Him again. And that theme we, you'll see as you read, as I mentioned already, through the scriptures. In fact, in, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, The Lord has told you what is good as God is speaking through Micah to the people of Israel. And this is what he requires of you, Micah says, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So let's, uh, let's shift the scene to us. As we live in this flawed world that's around us and being flawed ourselves, 
What are we going to do? How are we going to be people of faith and faithfulness? Well, first, it's going to take resolve. We're going to have to make a move of faith. In the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 and 39, it says this. The writer says, and my righteous ones will live by faith. And the writer, we're not sure who it is, as, as Pastor Kristen mentioned last week, but it's written to a, a Hebrew or, or Jewish believers. He says, my righteous ones will live by faith or faithfulness, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Then again, from Hebrews 11, verse 6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, we have to resolve that we are going to take a step of faith. We have this opportunity to do that. We have this opportunity to believe, to seek God, to walk with God. Now, compared to the ancients, I think this picture of walking with God is a little bit easier for us because for them, you know, they probably had to walk everywhere and, and walking may have been a struggle for them. But when we go for a walk, oftentimes it's, it's a, a leisurely thing. We get together with another person and, and maybe we'll go down to the lakefront or we'll, we'll find a great path. And there's so many of them, uh, as I've been learning, my wife and I this winter uh, walked around, did all these different paths and discovered so many new trails. But we went out and, and you go out on these walks with another person and you have great conversation and, and, and you connect on a deeper level as you talk about your life. And oftentimes you come back feeling refreshed. And I think that's the picture that walking with God is supposed to look like. We have this opportunity as believers to have that relationship with God where we can walk with him. And faith is a start. But it requires action on our part to decide to make a move. I, I like what Blaise Pascal, one of the great scientists, said, there are only three types of people. Those who have found God and serve him. Those who have not found God and seek him. And those who live not seeking or finding him. And so my question for you today is this, which one of those are you? It's so important as we think about that question, and we'll come back to it in a, in a few minutes from now. It's also important as we think about our resolve that when we make this move to seek God, we join this great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, we have this opportunity to join them. Well, and, but we also have this opportunity to experience reward. And that's the second part to this. How do we respond to this? It's our reward. Our reward is a fellowship with God. But what does that mean for us? I think it means a couple of things here. Let me unpack it for you. It means relationship with God today. It means when we walk with God, we no longer wander alone aimlessly in this life, but we walk with God through whatever we face. It means for us that he is with us in the middle of blank. And for you, that might mean unemployment. For you, it might mean a, a, a relationship struggle that you're going through. Maybe it's a, a loss of someone that you care about or love so much for whatever reason. 
Maybe it's an illness that you're going through in your life. Maybe it's uh, just the, the struggle of life. Maybe the stress, maybe the pressures of life, maybe the pressures of parenting, maybe the pressures of, of discovering the purpose for your life. He is in the middle of that with you because we have relationship with God today. We have fellowship with him. It also means we have relationship with God for eternity. And this uh, idea of relationship with God for eternity contrasts the picture of hell, which is, would be banishment or, or absence from God for eternity. But it's really, and it's also the picture of heaven. To be in the presence of God for eternity, where there's no more death. See, for today, when we're in relationship with God, we still experience. There's no promise of, of no death and no hardship, no denial against us, no uh, other unfaithfulness against us, no, no, no promise of no struggle. But, but one day, when we're in eternity, there's this picture of no more death or hardship or denial or unfaithfulness because we will be with God for eternity. The third part of, of that uh, idea of our reward or fellowship with God means this translation at death. It's interesting because as you read through the New Testament, when and Paul specifically talks about death, he talks about death for a believer as falling asleep. It's this uh, translation that when we leave this life, it's like falling asleep in this life and waking up with Jesus. A graduation, as it were, or a translation from this life into the next and suddenly we're with Jesus. And this is what provides us with a new story of hope. So my last question for you this morning as you're watching is this, how do we live this out? I really believe we live this out as a community of us. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse one and two. It says this, and I'll read it for you. Let us therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, so, so all of those people listed through Hebrews chapter 11 that, that you can read through and we're going to go through over this, uh, this series and, and others after who've made decision to follow Christ and those like my father who made a decision, they'll be a part of that great crowd of witnesses. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great, a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. The point to this is that it, we are a community of us. We are in this together as believers. And what does that mean for us that we are in this together? First, it, uh, we're to help strip off the weight and the sin. We're not to do that in condemnation by, by pointing out each other's sin and saying, okay, you need to fix that in your life or you've got that problem or you need to correct that because none of us wants that. None of us like to be corrected. But we're to do and help each other to help strip off the weight that weighs us down or the sin in our lives with care and with grace in the way that we would want someone to lovingly come to us and to help us in our lives to, you know, to, to, to work through some things that we need to correct or get right with God. We can do the same for others in that way. 
We are in this together to help each other run the race set out for each of us. The picture here of running is this idea of, of God has marked out this lane for us. Each of us has this lane and, and, and we're called to stay in that lane to fulfill the purpose and the plans that God has for us, for me and for you. You have a, a lane to stay in as well. And so that's why we can't go, okay, you know, if I had the opportunity to be uh, a Pastor Dave and to stand up in front of people and speak or to lead the church, you know, then I'd really arrive or you know, to be like this person or to have this opportunity to have this much money and all of those sorts of things. We're not to compare. We're called to stay in the lane that God has for us, but in the same way, we're to help each other. It's sort of like as we're run, to run alongside each other and to encourage and strengthen, right? And to go, yes, you can do this. Keep going. We're going to run this together, but we're going to do it in the lane that God has for us. We're also called, as we do this together, we're called to help each other to stay focused on Jesus. And, and this is about stimulating discovery of who he is, not distracting others away from him. As we go through life and difficult things, sometimes people get in the way or things get in the way and, and we lose sight of Jesus. And we're called to, to fix our eyes on him. Other things let us down, people let us down, but we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we're called together to help each other see Jesus more clearly to stimulate discovery, to go, to know him more, to help each other and not distract away so we can stay focused on him. And as well, as we're in this together, we're to remind each other to resolve to endure in this life so that we can experience reward in the next. Life is hard. As we go through this flawed world, as we are flawed people and, and struggle to be faithful, we can remind each other to resolve, to decide again, to, to endure in this life, to live the way God wants us to live, to walk with God, to walk with Jesus through life as he is with us. I want to bring us back to that quote by Blaise Pascal. There are only three types of people, those who have found God and serve him, those who have not found God and seek him, and those who, have not, who live not seeking or finding him. And my question again today is, which one of these are you? And I wanna encourage you today to seek God. Whether you're that person who has found God and you're serving him, keep on seeking him. Keep on discovering who he is in new ways. Keep on walking with him. Don't get, don't get tired or bored with this idea of walking with God. See it as, as we read before, as an adventure of discovering who he is each day. Or maybe you're that person who's not found God yet. Maybe there's something that's sparked in you. Maybe you've gone through a difficult situation in your life or some things have happened and, and you've been thinking about God in, in maybe new ways. I wanna encourage you to seek him, to discover him. And I love what James 4, verse eight, James writes, come close to God and God will come close to you. But maybe today, if you're that person who doesn't live to seek God or to find him, maybe today, maybe through something that's said today or this week, there'll be something that'll stir in you. Move towards God. Seek God. Seek to know him. Because when you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. And you'll have this opportunity in this flawed world to walk with God as he comes close to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning 
that we are not alone. We thank you that you are with us. And Father, I ask this morning for each person watching today and for myself included, that we would be moved in our hearts in a new way to seek you. For those of us who have walked with you for however long in our lives, Lord, help it not to become mundane for us. Help us, Lord, to see it as a new adventure of walking with you, of pursuing you, God, of knowing you more. For those today who are watching, who are struggling, and maybe there's something that sparked a seeking of you, God, I pray that you would move in them to not give up, to continue to seek uh, you, God. And I know, God, that as they do that, from what the Bible teaches us, from what we read, you will draw it to the close to them, God. And I pray that you would do that, that you would reveal yourself to them. And for others who are not seeking or looking for you at all today, that maybe for whatever reason they're watching today, that you would do something new in their hearts. Maybe as Enoch, whatever that moment was for Enoch, that he decided to start walking with you. For them watching today, God, I pray that something would happen, that they would make a, a resolve to choose to start seeking you and finding you and discovering who you are. Help us, God, to resolve to be people who will live to please you, to walk with you, and to point others to you as we go through life. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.